0: Hi friends! Welcome to the Seek Holy Living Podcast with Christis Faboda. I am a wife to my wonderful husband, mom to my five precious children, and a friend to some amazing moms that I can't wait to introduce to you. Mothering is not a journey meant to be traveled alone. Join me every Monday for a new podcast where you will find hope, joy, and purpose. Well, I am so glad to be able to be back today with my mom for part two of a conversation about tools of discipline with adolescents. And goodness, if this isn't a topic that we could probably have a part 52 on, right? We could probably talk all year, every week about tools of discipline with adolescents, but our abbreviated conversation is going to be a two-parter. So if you did not get to listen to last week's conversation, go back and listen to that one first, because we talk a lot about things really foundational to what we're going to continue be dis- to be discussing today as we're talking about some specific tools of discipline with adolescent um, Children still, right? Because they are still children. They're such sweet ones, um, or stinkers, you know, depending on the day and the hormones at that time, but in these big bodies. But what a gift it is that God has called us to still be raising them, to still be training up these children in these adolescent years. So I'm so glad to have my mom back here with me. My mom is Connie Burroughs and she was obviously my mom. She's a nana to many children. I don't know exactly when this one will be released. So it could be. 10 grandbabies at this point or 11, depending on if it's before or after our sweet baby is born, but I'm so glad to be able to have her back. So mom, thank you for joining me again for this. I'm so glad to be here. And you know, we concluded last time with a verse that I will start us with today is from second Chronicles 2012. It's the second part of it where it says, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And that really is the foundation for everything that we're talking about, that when we don't know as parents what to do with our adolescents, or in places where we just feel lost or question if God picked the right parents for this child, that did he somehow mess up and pick the wrong mom? Because I don't feel equipped that he didn't because our eyes are upon him and that he will equip us because he has called us to this.
1: Yes, that is definitely true.
0: So let's go ahead and start. We talked about having a plan and what to do if you don't have a plan. Let's talk about some preventative discipline with older children, with these not older children, I guess, adolescents, Um, or even the idea of proactive relationship building, because I feel like those kind of go hand in hand.
1: They really do. I think that um, your kids just really recognizing at at this age especially, always, but I think at this age, them recognizing that you're on their team. You want them to succeed. You want to get along. You want them to have fun in life. Um, I just think all of that goes a really long way with a child um, who's 12 and up. Um, And we talked about, uh, in the last, last week, we talked about having a plan, for your children. Mm -hmm. But some of that having a plan um, in this kind of preventive discipline or proactive in your relationship is having your child involved in the plan so that they don't think you're just making decisions arbitrarily. Mm -hmm. Um, When you were entering eighth grade, you and I spent time over the summer discussing what classes you would be taking in eighth grade, and you were very enthusiastic, just like you are today, Mm -hmm. And just like today, you have trouble because you like to do so many things. You also were that way in eighth grade and you wanted to take a lot of different classes. So I bought curriculum and we wrote out what it would take to complete each class. And after a few weeks, I was finding myself so frustrated at the end of each day because you had not had one day where you successfully completed all of your work. So rather than just fuss at you about it, I sat down one evening and sat down with your classes and assigned an approximate amount of time to each subject, and then I added the time up. Well, it was that you would be spending about eight or 10 hours of uninterrupted work. If you (laughs) took all of these classes and my goal when I sat down was that I was going to show you how you could get this done every day. But what I realized was you can't get this done every day. That was impossible. And it was not even what I would have wanted your days to look like. So the next day I sat down with you and we made a different plan together and that prevented you or me from misbehaving out of frustration or exhaustion. Mm-hmm. And it was training you to manage your time. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, think I was
0: thinking that in all of it is how empowering that is to bring them in the process. Because again, we're training self-disciplined adults. That's right. the goal. And I think about how many people when I went to college had no clue how to manage their days. And would just be drowning in their homework all the time and so overwhelmed. And I remember being very surprised thinking, is this really it? Is this really like all that college is, like the workload? Because I just kind of expected that it would be something shockingly heavier or harder. And not that I didn't have really hard things and have to study and all of that. But all of that, including of me, in the process during those teen years Mm -hmm. allowed me to really learn how to handle my life as an adult, because that's part of the goal. But you don't have those conversations with seven-year-olds because they'd be standing on their head, you know, telling you, I want to read all of the books still, They wouldn't be able to have the reasoning, but it's, it's an interesting thing. And I know it depends on the age of the child and knowing your child too, but they do hit an age where you can have those conversations more. And sometimes there definitely are still things like you said in the last week when we talked where you would say, you know, I'm going to make this decision for you because, and explain the reason why it wasn't like every decision was a group team conversation because that would also take forever. But, but there were times that you would make the choice for us, but other times that you would bring us along with you.
1: Yeah. And I, I feel like, I mean, maybe I don't remember it. I mean, I'm sure I don't remember it all, but I do feel like a lot of the decisions once you were older were made together. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Well, but- I
0: think about that encourages me because one that we recently were having to decide about in our home, uh, was this winter camp that our son has an opportunity to go to. And he has loved these camps. He's gone to the camps have been great. I have no qualms with that at all, but we have with the camp is literally days after this baby is due and us needing to talk about, you know, first Sean and I talked together, what, what are we going to do about this? And what do we want? And then we talked with him too. What do you want? What are your thoughts on this before we just start making assumptions? that we need to come in with a solution. Let's see what his plan is first. Cause he might have a good one. Sometimes he does. And after we talked about it together, deciding, you know what, we're going to go ahead and sign you up. But being the parents on this end of it, knowing that Our births have been such a uniquely special family time being at home. It's been very different than when I had my first couple hospital births where I were so removed anyway, it would make no difference at that point if he was at a camp or if he was at home, if we're gone at a hospital, having a baby, but knowing if our baby is born and also being specific, I have found is helpful for him trying to not be super vague because the vagueness leaves uncertainty and can also lead to frustration feeling like, well, maybe you weren't being, you weren't being fair or that's not what you said or whatever. So being very clear, you know, if our baby is born by this day, then yes, you will go to camp. And I think that probably will be the case based on how our other births have been. If our baby is not born by this day, then we will let the people in charge know, you know what, he's not going to go after all. And the relief on his face to know, okay, we have a plan. This is what it is. And I've been heard
1: and they're going to take care of it. it. was wonderful. That is so great because you don't recognize, too, how much you're helping him in his decision making mm-hmm. because he got to see how does an adult come to a decision. That's really great. Yeah. And that's what I think. I think that sometimes when we're having issues with adolescents, we need to just back up. And try to look at the big picture. What is causing this unwanted behavior? And I know sometimes you cannot get in their heads. Maybe mostly you can't get in their heads. (laughs) But sometimes you can. And you could ask yourself, is there anything I can do to change the circumstances? Or to help them look at the situation differently? And that's just what you guys did for him. Mm Mm-hmm um, that he, he knew you're on his team.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I remember about that. You would specifically say those words to us when we were growing up, I'm on your team in this. I want what's best for you in this. And I knew that you were, and I knew that you did. And then also with those things too, you would empower me in saying, you know, you can choose Krista that we can be, like the other moms and daughters who don't like each other and who are short tempered with each other and who are not friends. And, and I spent time around girls who were church and unchurched who would talk just so horribly and in such sad ways about their parents and their relationships with them. And even then at that point in my immaturity of really having so much childlike reasoning still as, as an early teenager, was so saddened to hear the way that they would talk about their relationship with their mom because we didn't have that kind of relationship. And you would put it off on me, you know, Christy, you can choose. And I would say, no, I don't want to be like that. You'd say, okay, well then let's not be rude to each other, which (laughs) also is kind of funny. Cause like you weren't being rude in the first place. Probably, probably just, I was being rude, but uh, but it did, it, it really empowered me to make the choice that I wanted to make. And I think that's even, that's marital training. That's relationship training. You know, you choose what kind of relationship do you want to have with your husband?
1: Mm-hmm. What
0: kind of a person do you want to be? <laughs> you weren't thinking that it was marriage training at that time. Right. You were just probably trying to get through the day without, you know, the struggles, but, but it really is. That's training in relationship.
1: And I, I really did want us to get along. I mean, I really enjoyed being with you. And, you know, it was actually—I don't know if I shared this on a different episode or not—but I had a um, a real eye-opening conversation with a mom when I was um, I was in choir, a choir rehearsal, and I was listening to some women all complaining about their teenage daughter daughters. And I had this little tiny newborn daughter that was in the nursery and I was about to cry. I was just thinking, am I going to talk about my daughter that way one day? Am I going to hate being with my own daughter? I mean, it was just heartbreaking to me. And I heard and I had this mom lean over and whisper in my ear and she said, it doesn't have to be that way. I am best friends with my daughter. Mm-hmm. And that I I still remember it today, and I was you know 24 years old at the time, and I still remember her saying that, and I made the decision that day in that choir loft, mm-hmm. I will not be this way with my daughter ever, and yes. I made that decision. This goes back to having a strong-willed child, because it's see how gift. that strong will worked for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely, I did a conversation with Greta Eskridge a while ago episode seventy nine She has some grown child a grown child now who's in a son who's an adult, and then she has many adolescents in her home right now. and we did a conversation called Perspective: Toddlers to teens. And it was a great one, whether you have toddlers or teens, because there are just so many, you know, people talk about the terrible twos and the terrible teens. And it really, a lot of it is a choice that comes back to your perspective and what you're going to allow it to be and how
1: you help your children to make it that. But I think that goes back again, that proactive relationship.
0: This is relationship.
1: And it really was. um, I made sure with my kids, with you and with the others that I had fun with you. We had fun Mm -hmm. times. And that's one of the first things that I'll tell moms if they're talking to me about struggles with their, or even dads. I've had the same conversations recently, not too long ago with a dad who was struggling with their young teen. And I said, when have you done something fun with him? And he looked at me like I was kind of crazy. And I said, take your son on a date. Go do something that's just for fun. Mm -hmm. Don't talk Mm -hmm. about his schoolwork. Don't talk about his bad behavior, his bad attitude. No intention of training. It's just to build Mm -hmm. relationship, just to hang out together. And um, anyway, I don't know if he did it or not. It was actually somebody on an airplane that uh, (laughs) (laughs) he didn't know who he was sitting next to. (laughs) But um, but anyway, I just think that those relationships are super important. And when I was thinking about this, I wonder if you remember this, Krista, when you were um, in high school, you were supposed to you had promised me I was struggling that our attic was a real mess and I needed to get up real early in the morning before it got hot to clean things out in this attic. And, and you had said, Oh, I'll help you mom. And I said, okay, that'll be great. Let's get up tomorrow morning at this time and we'll get started on it. Well, I and got just it.
0: perspective again, so people can know. So if I was in high school, so let's say I was 15, even if uh-huh. you're making me like older high school age, or then that means you also had Ryan. So you also had a four-year-old right. or maybe a three-year-old at the time. So it's not like you just had older children. You had a very young one too. So that's different getting work, done as right. a mom with, you know, preschool age
1: kids too. So go right. ahead. And I knew I couldn't do it during the school year. There's just too yeah. many things going on. So it had to be in the summer. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you promised me you'd get up with me. Well, the next morning I could not drag you out of bed. <laughs> and so later that day, tired. yeah. <laughs> and you probably really were. <laughs> that is a real thing about adolescence, by the way, mm-hmm. they really need more sleep than the rest of the world. So Um, anyway, I, I was really annoyed with you that you didn't get up early with me. So then the next day I try to get you up and again, you would not get up and I was so frustrated. (laughs) So I'm up in the attic and I'm snatching around all of these items, trying to organize things. And I come across this spiral notebook that turned out was my journal from when I was exactly your age, the (laughs) summer when I was 15 and it said uh, slept in ever it said slept in had lunch went to the pool we had a public pool nearby came home and i don't know what the rest of the day but the next day said slept, slept in, in. <laughs> had lunch went to the pool the next day slept <laughs> in had lunch went to the pool anyway So you finally drug yourself in and you drug, you were all, I'm sorry, I didn't get up. I told you I'd get up and I didn't get up. And I said, Krista, I want you to just read this journal and see what your mother was doing when she was your age. (laughs) So I handed you the journal and I got busy in the attic and you were just laughing and we laughed together. And, you know, that was just a real moment. And I just think it's important for us to step back and try to remember what it was like when we were when we were their age and, you know, going back to living, living with your child in an understanding way. Mm -hmm. And there's so much to be said about that when they know
0: that you are empathizing, if you, if you're able, if you have experienced similar life things or at least sympathizing, at least that you want to is so important. So very important. Okay. Let's talk about consequences just a little bit, because I mean, poor choices do result in consequences. And we talked last time, some about how we really kind of create, we still are allowing their entire life. So there are so many different things that truly are privileges in the day-to-day life of an adolescent child that you
1: kind of control their world. Right. And, um, some of the dis- some consequences were discussed with each of you, but they were just never used. I don't mm-hmm. remember having to use very many consequences with you guys, uh, but we did set them up and when we needed to. And I can remember when it was time for you guys to drive and having to tell you, you know, I'm just going to tell you before you even start driving that. Even if a driving instructor says that you're ready to drive and I don't feel safe when you're driving, you will not be getting your license. And that's just because I love you too much to let you go out and kill yourself. (laughs) Uh, Now, all of you, it turned out you were ready and it was fine. But I did feel like I needed to set that up in advance. So that mm-hmm. you didn't just think it was a given that just because you took driver's training, you'd be able to drive. Um, and it, just
0: because the rest of the world says that things are done a certain way. And I think that's even more so in, in maybe it was just as much as maybe it's just different in this day and age than it was before, but things like when, you know, well, when you were a kid, you used to stay home alone, you know, at this, at these ages or whatever, the internet wasn't available and just this accessible thing that it is now that when we had when we were growing up. So the world looks different with children now. And watching how with adolescents, how it's just almost an expected thing that kids have a smartphone. Mm-hmm. And and we've just been embarking on the idea of email, even, you know, that. Every, I had someone ask us for a yearbook class that mm-hmm. our child was in, you know, well, what's their email that they need to be able to get these emails? And I said, oh, we don't we do not do that yet. And we actually since have had conversations and decided, you know what, that would actually be helpful for, for him to have this email account. And so we do have it we decided, but I have the law. I am the, I am the login. It actually goes to my phone. And so if he gets emails or has something he needs to send, then we do that from my phone. And that's worked really well so far. Uh, but with smartphones and how kids just have these as tools to use, but that holds so much more than they should really truly be carrying that we have been so thankful to have found these gab phones are what we found. And I will link that down in the show notes for you, but that has been, sorry, this is kind of a rabbit trail because it's not really about consequences, but that has been a tool that we have found. That's been super helpful for us to still allow them to have some of the resources that are actually necessary at their age without having the responsibility that comes With a smartphone that it allows them to make phone calls or send texts to friends or things like that, but doesn't give them all of the internet access in the world. And I remember now where I was going with this is thinking about how other people will do things differently than the way that you will do things. And probably for most of us, it's that way in a lot of our lives. So it's not going to be like a new. Aha! Awakening moment, and we even joke about when that conversation will come up. Well, you know, everyone else, whatever (laughs) it is, that thank God we have good friends who we are in relationship with, where I can say, you know, really, like I'm pretty sure that these different families. Well, you know, okay, with with the ones who don't, but it is it's a thing that children will say. You know, everyone else. So having good relationships with other. Christian families, I think really helps support the way that you do things differently because it helps to have other families who you do things differently alongside where they respect those parents too, because there will be many things that you will decide to do things differently and realizing just because the world says, you know, you can have your license when you're 16, or you will be able to do this activity or go to this place or start like the arbitrary ages. You can start dating when you're 15 or 16 or whatever it is that people set for these things uh, to know, you know, if, if we decide that's best for you at that time. And I guess I hadn't even realized that we've done that as well, because one day something came up where my oldest, who's 13 at this point said something about, you know, well, when I'm 16 and I can drive and his helpful 10 year old sister, right. As younger sisters normally are very helpful in reminding you of the things, um, chimed in and Annabelle said, well, if mom and dad think that you're responsible to drive at that point, he said, well, yeah, of course I know. And continued on. So we've also taken that same idea and it's been very helpful and also helpful in feeling like when we hit, there isn't this impending doom, that we have to hurry up and get to this certain point by this age. Cause that's the point that you're going to start this new thing that no, we'll see, but no one's deciding except for us at that point.
1: That is absolutely just, that's so true. It's so true. And you know, I can remember um, there were, there were a lot of times that the decisions that we made in our family were very different and it was funny. It kind of went both ways. There were times when I thought, yeah, you know, people would ask me, are you really strict? Or sometimes they would ask you guys, are your mm-hmm. parents really strict with you? And I would think, I don't think we really are. And you guys would think, no, my parents really aren't. But it, But it seemed that way because we had worked so much on you guys making wise decisions that it looked like we were making a bunch of rules. And in fact, I would tell you, you could use us if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. You could just say, I don't think my mom would want me to do that. Or you could Mm -hmm. say, my mom wouldn't want me to do that. And you would probably be right. So,
0: That's so funny. Again, we recently gave that tool. And I think this is a tool. This is a training tool to my 13-year-old about with phone use. And that if someone asks for your phone number, which we have said that this is, we've all, we've said from the beginning, this is a family phone. We're buying this phone to be for our family to use when our children need a phone to use. Now reality is, um, Lincoln's the one who has it, you know, 95% of the time. So, and I've told him, you don't have to tell people it's a family phone. Cause I get it. That like feels weird. So you can say like, Oh, I'm going to check my phone, but we all know that it's a family phone. And so I'll, you know, he'll say, i had got to grab my phone. And I, of course, will chime in with a smile. Oh yeah. Grab the family phone. Uh, but, but giving him the tool that if someone says, you know, Hey, you know, what's your number that you are welcome to say, Oh, you know what? I've got to check with my mom and dad before I give, give, give out our number. Cause it's a family phone. So if it needs to become a family phone and you need to put that back on us, by all means go right ahead. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we had some things like that too. I don't know if you remember, but we were able to provide a car for you guys, each of you to drive when you did get your license, but it was a rule that you were not allowed to let anybody else ever drive that car. Oh yeah. I would have never dreamed of it. (laughs) Well, a lot of kids don't know that if you don't (laughs) tell them, they don't know. So anyway, um, you guys knew that that was a privilege for you to get to have that car Mm -hmm. to drive. And mm-hmm. so, but it wasn't Absolutely. your car; it was it was our car that we let you drive. So we were talking about consequences, though. And I did um, ask uh, my other daughter, Megan, if she had memories of rules or consequences between the ages of twelve and nineteen. And she has a pretty vivid memory of mm-hmm. her, more than like you, <laughs> of her of her growing up years. And she said no, and she thinks that part of the reason for that was because of our relationships and our expectations were set when you guys were young. And she thinks that the stability in our home and our relationships with each of you played an important role in the choices that you guys made. And I'm sure she's really right. And it actually made me feel bad that I had not thought to thank God that we could offer that kind of stability in our home because that's not Mm -hmm. something that I grew up with. And and it it, it was a privilege that we had that kind of stability in our home. So I have stopped and thanked God for that now.
0: Yeah, I do think it was a privilege. I also think it it was priorities that you laid early on that you really did make training a priority from an early age. And if I will link down in the show notes below to the other episodes that we did about child training, when we did, you know, episode 33, that especially if a mom is feeling overwhelmed or discouraged by this, by this, just thinking, man, I'm just so far, (laughs) so far from where this is or with a certain personality of a child. I would encourage you to remember with that child that, you know, there are, there are the ups and downs and sometimes the downs are really low and really hard. And those days or those weeks can be really challenging, but don't miss the ups, the good moments in there, because there are, there usually are, and maybe there have even been a couple of weeks or maybe just a day, even that it was a good day. And to really cling to that and to, and to claim that as something that God can do, but But regardless, if you're in that mom in that place, episode 33 that we did about the very beginning, about the heart of discipline. So this was a long time ago. It was all the way back in May of 2021. But going back to that first and listen to that and allow the Lord to work in your heart as you are working on training the hearts of your children. Um, And then I also will link the other tools of discipline conversations that we've had. Episode 41, episode 41 specifically about younger children, which is its own funny time. And then episode 76 and 77 about tools of discipline with older children too. But as we, as we conclude today's other, any other encouragement that you want to offer for the mom who's maybe feeling overwhelmed or discouraged in this area?
1: You know, I just think, I, I think about two, two things. Well, three things i guess one is that verse again that that you that you quoted from second chronicles mm-hmm. about lord we don't know what to do so we're looking to you or we're fixing our eyes on you that that going to god with these issues over and over and over again there's nothing no no better thing to do secondly is Making your, sure that your children under, you know, know that you want this close relationship with them and whatever that takes, if that means that you've got to go to bed late at night and you're losing sleep at night so that you're spending time with your child because that's when your child wants to talk, it is so worth it because mm-hmm. there's going to come a time, if you're not willing to put it in now, then think about the consequences if you don't. You know, mm-hmm. that you could end up with a child that's really off the rails and doesn't want to stay up and talk with you anymore. So it's really worth it to put, you know, lose some sleep and try to spend that time. And I know it's hard. I, I know it is. And so I'm not making light of that. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and I and would he,
0: encourage you in yeah. that too, to talk with your husband about it. Because sometimes when we're so in the thick of it, we can't see a way out of like, I don't even know how I can do all of this. That especially I feel like sometimes I'm straddling different seasons of motherhood with, uh, you know, new baby and toddler and older and this adolescent times where they need to be up late that my window of time to sleep is pretty narrow sometimes mm-hmm. to get enough sleep. It's like, well, by the time you're ready to go to bed, if I go to bed right then, then I can get enough sleep before the baby wakes up and is joining me for my quiet time in the morning. But I was so thankful when Sean and I talked at one point about this and him deciding we really need to hand the chore of the dishes over to a different to Lincoln to start doing that in the evenings because that felt at that time like really too much to me for him to be doing, but Sean, with what he could see as the dad and as my husband knew, you do need, you cannot be doing bedtime with, cause Sean works really long. I should add that too. He works very long evenings, So it's like, he's not here to be a help in those times. So we have to manage really from morning until evening. Most days of the week are like weekdays for sure are me with all of the kids all day long, which is fantastic in so many ways. And I'm thankful for what those days look like, but to conclude well meant that we need to hand off some of those responsibilities. So the things when I was trying to then finish those times together and then start all of the dishes that had been waiting for the last four hours since dinner finished and then tidy up our living space, if that hadn't gotten finished. I would be up all night long. Mm -hmm. So he helped us to come up with some solutions for our family that would work to know, well, okay, so Lincoln takes care of the kitchen jobs and it takes him a little while. It really does. But it also allows me to know that in the evening, once I've got, I have the little children down I have, that's already finished and it allows me the space to spend some time to have some conversations in the evening or play sushi, go and have a little fun or beat them at a game, you know, before, before they have to go to bed, which is also important.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I do think it just, you know, the relationship building is huge. Mm -hmm. I just think it's really, really huge. And so however that can work for your family, it's just, It's just very, very important. And then and then it is important too to recognize for your kids to recognize that you really do provide a life for them. Mm -hmm. And so not everything that they own, you know, they don't own all these things, you know. (laughs) Having a phone is a privilege. Mm -hmm. And having the opportunity to drive a car is a privilege. And Mm you know, living in your home, all these things, these are privileges that they get to have. And so it's important that they recognize that they are. So Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. a few, a few thoughts when I think about some of the issues with adolescents and teens.
0: Yes. Well, and a verse that I was thinking about as we were closing today is from first Thessalonians 524. It says, he who calls you is faithful." And also will do it. And there's such a load lifted off in that. That goes back to that other passage that says, come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Come and learn of me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And he has called us to this and he has chosen these children and he has chosen that child that adolescent or adolescent children, whatever your home is like mom, and that he has chosen you with your personality and your natural strengths or weaknesses to be sanctified during this time further and to be grown and Lord willing on the other end of this adolescent season, you will have raised a best friend and a child who is a young adult who you are able to walk alongside with as another follower, brother, or sister in the kingdom of God who you are doing life with. So uh, it is a gift and God has called you and he is faithful and he will do it. Mom, thank you again so much for being here. Oh,
1: thank you, honey.
0: And thank you for all of your many, many years of adolescent training that you have done and sharing your wisdom with all of us today. Thank you guys so much for being with us again. It's a lot of fun, a lot of fun being here with my mom. And I only wish that you could all be sitting together and we could be at a coffee shop with hot coffees or something like that. But until that day, maybe one time will arise. This will do. And I'm so glad that we could be together and we'll look forward to being with you again here next week. Have a blessed week. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of our weekly conversations. And check out our show notes below, where I have links to the resources mentioned on the podcast. I release a new podcast every Monday and additional content at seekholyliving.com, including a video of this conversation and a deeper dive into all things mom. Also, be sure to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Seek Holy Living for more fun and conversation. If this was an encouragement to you, please share it with your friends.